three, two, one, let's go. Hello, I'm Bobby Jankovic. I'm the broker of Remax Capital. Welcome to Mission Forge, where we engage each other, empower one another, and elevate the world of real estate around us. Today, it's all about MLS. I find there's a lot of confusion with MLS. And that goes for Realtors and it goes for the public as well. And you can imagine if Realtors are confused, you know the public is probably confused too. Well, what is MLS? MLS is a business and it is generally owned by a real estate, I'm sorry, a realtor organization such as an association. Sometimes they're owned by brokers um, and that's less common, but in our area, we happen to have both business models. And so what it is, is these professionals, the brokers have agreed to cooperate. It's nothing much more complicated than that. And in addition to make the incentive a little bit nicer is there's an uh, offer to compensate. So as a listing broker, I have sat with a seller and I have negotiated a total commission. Uh, there is no set commission, everything is negotiable. And then I have also, in addition, I've negotiated a split of that commission. And that commission generally can be split, you know, 50% to the listing broker and 50% to the buying side broker, but it doesn't have to go that way. There's another thing called a variable commission if the seller is interested in dual agency and I as the listing broker agree to a lower commission should I procure a buyer for the property, then I might agree to take a lower commission than the full commission if there's two brokerages involved. That's called a variable commission, which is also negotiable, uh, but it has to be disclosed out to our cooperative partners who would might be interested in knowing that that it the seller in and the listing agent are somehow in, incentivized to um, maybe look at things a little differently maybe there's a little less cooperation going on with that uh, so that is a disclosure point uh, based on our realtor code of ethics um, well the power of um, and, and the, the power of the cooperative model and the compensation cooperative compensation model it can be better understood if you think about buying a car. Um, buying a car, sometimes you find yourself jumping from dealership, dealership, dealership website, dealership website, Craigslist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and sometimes you find some refuge in some MLS MLS-esque sites such as Car Trader or Auto Trader, uh, Edmunds and so forth, places like this that sort of conglomerate data and share it out. Um, it's not quite a perfect match, but it just helps you understand what MLS is. It's supposed to make everybody's life easier. It's supposed to help sell more homes. It's supposed to help sell more homes for more money and in less time. One thing that is new to the picture is syndication. Um, syndication probably is, is fairly new um, as things go. Let's just say, for argument's sake, about 15 years. Um, it used to be, I know when I purchased my house in 1997, they were still using MLS books. So every week the, the MLS would run 
new books with all the data to the brokers and the brokers would hold these MLS books and the real estate agents could look through and see what was available. Well, that transformed, as you might imagine, uh, those books are uh, now a thing of the past and everything's online. Updates are instant um, on the MLS and the internet. And one thing that happens is MLSs ha have the ability to basically play the song on the radio station. Um, if you think of a big hit coming out, it might play on you know 3,000 radio stations across the, the, the country. Well, syndication is, is about the same thing, and there are popular syndicates that most people have heard of, such as Realtor.com, Trulia, Zillow, Apartments.com, and so forth. Most MLSs have roughly in the neighborhood of 65 to 70 syndicates that basically buy the feed of the MLS and just blast it out there. Um, and, and so one thing that's changed in our, our realtor life is, you know, we used to do, hey, you know, Sally and Joe, I know you're looking for a, a three bed, two bath rancher. I found this one for you. Um, let's, I've made an appointment for us and let's go take a look. Um, less common now, right? Now we're, we're being told a lot of times by our buyers who are watching the syndication come out um, from our very own MLS and they're saying, hey, a new one just hit the market, right? And they're seeing this, this data come almost live. Uh, the most pure and, and expedient one would be a portal into the actual MLS, which is very common for realtors to give this access to their buyers. Um, but buyers have come to enjoy some of the proprietary syndicates and they have the apps on their phone and they get all sorts of notices of when there's an open house or when something goes off the market, something comes on the market. So, and I find that the best consumers are usually looking at multiple of these um, because the data is different. It syndicates a little differently and Believe it or not, this is what the whole point of the, the podcast is about, is that MLS, there are more than one. In fact, nationwide, I'm going to take a stab. I think there's probably in the low 500s, uh, you know, of MLSs. So let's call it five and a quarter, um, which is down. All right. It used to be a lot more. It used to be in the 600s. Um, and it'll probably continue to, to go down. There have been attempts to, um, you know, go into a singular MLS nationwide or statewide MLSs have been affected in certain places. Um, but in our area here of Tidewater, southeastern, or let's just say Virginia, um, you know, there's dozens of MLSs. And in our little unique area, there's several. So um, our particular office subscribes to six. Um, and as the broker, you, you know, the agents may not subscribe to each one that the broker does, but an agent cannot subscribe to an MLS unless the broker does. So if I'm here and, and one of my agents says, hey, I'm starting to get a lot of business up in this part of the, air, uh, the world, um, it would be very beneficial to me if I could join that MLS, then I have to take the broker brokerage application, fill it out, and actually become a subscriber so that my agent can in a can get that access and list that property or find that data. Um, 
So again, the syndication is the playing of the song on the radio, basically. Um, and the question for you as agents is how many MLSs should you subscribe to? And, and, and you know, it's a personal decision, depends on your business model. Uh, it's going to depend on the geography that you cover. Um, but also if you're a buyer's agent or a listing agent, you know, and the reason is, I mean, if you're a buyer's agent, the data is out there. Okay. So you don't necessarily need access to the, to, as a subscriber to these MLSs to find, um, a property that might not be in your MLS, because if you're resourceful and, and again, we have access to everything that the consumer has access to. So we can find things uh, for you. Um, and again, as I stated, it's less and less important for me to have that available data um, on an MLS because my, nine times out of 10, the buyers are finding properties. I shouldn't say nine times out of 10. It's probably more like 65 times out of 100. You know, there are serious long-time agents who still do hard property searches for their uh, clients and um, especially in a low inventory market um, being a buyer's agent is very difficult so you know it, that may be a time where you want to have access to more and more uh, data that you get a little bit quicker um, and you get a little bit more accurately because there is problems in syndication with accurate accuracy so it's going to depend on those factors. I think you have to remember that the ultimate answer is what is going to best serve your client. Don't make the decision based on the money. Um, again, we're looking at basically $1,000 a year per subscription. Um, and so you can see just it's not a loosey-goosey um, answer. Oh, I'm just going to join, join, join because it does add up. So let's say um, you're a realtor making $100,000 a year. I want to add um, an MLS. That's going to represent 1% of your, of your income. And if you're making $150,000 a year, um, what would that be? Do the math for me, 0.75% then uh, of your income. And then if you're making $50,000 a year, that $1,000 is going to represent 2% of your, of your income. So, you know, but it might also provide you with an opportunity to grow. So that's why I say don't focus too much on the money because what you're doing is you're giving yourself a more complete toolbox that you can better serve your client, your potential, your future clients, your existing clients, your repeat clients. And I encourage you to talk about it with them. Why are you doing, why do I subscribe? Have you talked to other people? Do they make this decision? Are they in it? Are they as committed to their business that they are willing to make the extra subscription? Sometimes it's redundant. I always, when I'm doing a search for somebody and I open up that portal so they can find that perfect three bedroom, two bath ranch, if they're serious, I say, listen, I've got to put you in two searches, okay? And you're gonna see a lot of emails and a lot of them are gonna be redundant, okay? So, and this is on top of the searching they're doing on their own. So I say, please bear with me, but this is the nature of the beast in our market. We have something called 
overlapping market syndrome. And it's a serious problem. Um, and MLS is in our area are working hard to solve the problem, but it's not that simple. It's really, really not that simple. Um, and anyways, so don't focus on the dollars, although money is important to everybody. That's why we do this. But if you focus on the needs of the client and how that's going to serve them, your whole mind shift changes. And suddenly $1,000 isn't that big of a deal. But you don't want to join just for joining. So you want to make the right decisions for you. Pay, pay attention to where you work and whether you're listing or selling. Now, should you as a consumer choose an agent based on how many MLS systems they subscribe to? Well, I think it would be a very wise to have the conversation with them. How many, um, ML, how many MLSs do you subscribe to? Um, because you might uncover some information. And, and I am not going to sit here and say that just because somebody subscribes to a single MLS that they're not serious. I know plenty of agents that that's all they do. And I am great. Fantastic. You've got it. You've cracked it. It works for you. Okay, but you need to at least have that conversation with with your agent. And if they're flat footed on the answer, that might be an indication that they haven't really thought it through. Um, and you you want to be on your toes and say, you know what, I've I've toyed with this. And I just the chaos and the confusion of having multiple MLSs is too much. It creates, you know, there, there's arguments on both sides. I can get the job done with one. I know what I'm doing. I've got a track record then you can have confidence in your agent that they only need the singular MLS. If they seem to fumble through the answer, it might be time to ask them to, if you have a good relationship, maybe they can consider joining. It doesn't take a long time to join. Or, sorry to be harsh, it might be time for you to search for another applicant for your job. Um, so, I spoke earlier about the value of the listing in the MLS, and there's a, a major um, MLS that has been a series of several mergers, and, and I call it, most people call it the Northern Virginia MLS, but it expands well beyond the DC metro area um, into Maryland, parts of New Jersey, parts of Pennsylvania, parts of West Virginia. It's just a huge MLS. And it's starting to work its way south as well into areas like Charlottesville uh, and Fredericksburg. And who knows where it goes from there. But it has a um, done a study on the value because it, it tracks non-MLS data as well. And it found that those properties that closed and closed with MLS syndication uh, sold for, I think it was 16% higher than those that did not. And it wasn't a small study because you're dealing with, I think it was a quarter million transactions. Um, so, you know, you can do the math on that if you want. And, you know, people say, well, I'm going to save myself money. I'm going to sell for sale by owner. But don't be penny wise and pound foolish. So MLS is a serious, successful model to sell property. So I'm, let's go back to, I'm the single subscriber um, agent, realtor. How can I get the data? 
Well, not only do I have access to all the data that that you do as a consumer, but I have something called Realtor Property Resource. And Realtor Property Resource is a realtor-only tool that is available to us. And it, guess what it does? It conglomerates all the data. So that's really fantastic. Um, it doesn't quite operate 100% like an MLS, um, but it's very powerful. It gives me the opportunity. Um, I'm just going to pick Fredericksburg for fun. Um, you know, let's say my sister is moving to Fredericksburg and she wants a very specific type of property. I can jump in. I can see some stuff for her. Um, and I don't subscribe up there, right? Um, so that's something to keep in mind. And I, I find a lot of a lot of real real estate agents, realtors don't know about RPR. Um, but look it up. You can usually access it straight through your MLS. If you belong to a non-realtor MLS, you're not going to get access to it from that MLS. You would have to go, like, say, through your association account or your state um, association webpage to get into RPR. Very, very good tool. So, again, if you're a single practitioner, uh, a single MLS practitioner, I would hope that you're leaning into the RPR. You know, you could say, look, well, I don't need to co-subscribe because my realtor subscription gets me RPR, which is every MLS in every part of the country. And it pulls other data, too. It's not just realtor data. Um, so I can get access to tax sales. I can get access to for sale by owners and so forth. Um, so one last thing that I want to talk about before um, I close out is the difference between small MLSs and large MLSs. They both have their advantages. Um, small MLSs, um, you know, they tend to have strengths centered around service. Um, you know, you might have more... I don't know how to say, just that's not the right word, uh, maybe say old school practitioners that are in there, um, seasoned perhaps, um, maybe not, you know, on the cutting edge. And I, I'm trying to say that carefully because I don't want to, I don't want to say anything that sounds like I'm demeaning people because I'm not. Certain areas, certain markets, they just don't have the need or they don't affiliate with all the latest clicks and bells and whistles and trends okay so i say all this with um with with love and caring for everybody and their business model however they want to do it but you might find if you subscribe to those smaller mls's you're going to expand the number of potential buyers agents who see your property and those buyers agents might represent buyers who aren't on Zillow, who aren't on Realtor.com, who aren't, you know, and they rely on their agent to bring them data. So by you not putting your listing in that small local MLS, you might be not getting the full, the full power of the market, okay? Um, large MLSs are useful because they have more scale, they have more power, they have strong add-on, value add-ons, um, showing services, uh, showing services, um, safety measures, um, any number of, of um, add-ons that help our lives easy get easier when we're doing a real estate transaction. 
So I hope that has helped you as a consumer. I hope that has helped you as an agent to better understand the, uh, the nature of how many MLSs should I belong to? How many MLSs should my, my house be listed in? And, and there's no right answer. But again, I think the best answer stems from how will it help the client? And if my client's a buyer, that might have one set of answers. If my client is a seller, that might have another set of answers. If you stay focused on that, you're going to make the right decision. Thanks for joining me on Mission Forge.